This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bolts Broadcast, a brand new hockey podcast, all about the Tampa Bay Lightning as a part of the new Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Mike Mitchelson, joining me today, Chase Crawshaw. How you doing today, Chase? Doing pretty good. Uh, struggling a little bit, you know, quarantine's been a struggle, haven't left the house in over three weeks. Uh, but, you know, putting on a brave face, surviving the best I can without any hockey. How are you doing? Not too bad. I got out of the house about... Thursday I think it was and was out and about for about five minutes got to drive down the road and then head over to my Fossers household uh, able to celebrate a birthday over there so we're doing all right Uh, getting a little bored I won't lie to you I'm sure I'm sure you're feeling the same Uh, but it's all about staying safe right now we all know that so uh, hopefully you guys are doing the same taking the same precautions quarantining yourself making sure you're safe unfortunately a friend of ours has a girlfriend who didn't exactly follow the right precautions and now she's at home sick so don't do that that's not the smartest move uh make sure you guys are staying safe out there but today we have a lot of hockey talk for you guys if you guys are more into the hockey themes this is the episode for you we have done a little bit more lackadaisical, I guess, uh, episodes over the past couple of weeks. We've been, you know, ranking our favorite drinks, ranking some NHL jerseys. We're going to now deep dive into the season a little bit, talk about our Tampa Bay Lightning, as well as give a lot of NHL news. So, Chase, first up, let's talk about some NHL news. I think the first big one we have to talk about is yesterday, on Saturday, President Donald Trump met with 13 of the major sports commissioners, which included Gary Batman, uh, included Roger Goodell from the NFL, uh, a lot of different commissioners. You had even uh, Dana White from the UFC meeting. So uh, a lot of big sports people were in the room, or not in the room, but on the phone with Donald Trump, and uh, he was talking to them about the coronavirus. We haven't had much news come out of the conference yet, I'm sure we'll start to hear more, but it's pretty big when the president is pulling aside a lot of the top commissioners and having a talk with them. Yeah, it's definitely huge. I mean, sports are one of the biggest money makers in the world, so it definitely makes sense. You know, they make a lot of money and provide a lot of business, a lot of jobs. So it's definitely important to keep them in the loop of things. Uh, Really, the only news that I've seen out of this so far is that uh, Trump believes that the NFL should be able to start on time in September, shouldn't have any issues delaying, uh, and is trying to reassure that to the commissioners and to all the, all the states to ensure that that happens. Because, you know, there, there was some talk that the governor of California wouldn't let uh, the NFL teams play there in September. So hopefully that reassurance uh, is okay and sports should be able to pick up no issue next year. 
Yeah, and we haven't gotten much news about the NFL, like or the NHL, like I stated before. But with the comments from Donald Trump, assuming that stadiums will be able to be filled and sports will be able to go on by August, September time, we can then infer about the NHL. So if if stadiums aren't allowed to be refilled and sports are not allowed to be recontinued until, let's say, August at the earliest, I think our NHL season's over. Yeah, it, this year it, it's. I mean, I've already said it. It, sh- it should be canceled because like, it's. I don't think there's any chance it's being picked back up. So it it sucks, but yeah, it's probably over. Yeah, and it's gonna suck for teams like our Tampa Bay Lightning, who went out and spent a lot of draft capital on acquiring rental players at the trade deadline. So uh, gonna be super unfortunate, and people that were critical of those trades, me will be even more critical of those trades if this does occur. Unfortunately, the coronavirus has affected the whole entire world. It's affected every sport out there. And we are now down to watching online checkers for our entertainment. But uh, a a lot of stuff will continue to come out about that conference uh, between the president and the commissioners. And hopefully we get some NHL talk very soon here. Uh, next up, we got to talk about a very unfortunate situation regarding Keandre Miller and a Zoom press conference that he had over the past couple of days. So I'm, I'm sure as most hockey fans know at this point, Keandre Miller uh, signed a contract relatively recently with the New York Rangers. You know, pretty highly regarded prospect, pretty, pretty high pick, was a great player for the World Junior Team, played at Wisconsin. Since all this, uh, you know, coronavirus and this nationwide shutdowns going on couldn't really do a standard press conference so they decided to turn to zoom uh make it kind of a public call anybody could join yet people could type in the chat while you know he answer questions whatever and then some asshole jackass decides just you know to flood the comments with racist remarks as counter miller is an african-american hockey player it's and like it that's just garbage. Like, really, if you have the audacity to go online and call out somebody like that, and, you know, just call call it their race, call it a minority, call it something that like that's out of their control, and it's something that's even an issue. So I don't get why you're trying to come off for that. You know, it just really angers me, infuriates me, frustrates me because you know that is something that that guy would never do face to face with Counter Miller or another person like him. It's it's just a weak bullshit soft move oh absolutely it's a it's a keyboard warrior the guys that sit behind their keyboards and don't want to do stuff in person because they know they'd get their ass whooped but uh uh, super super disgusting on what happened there but let's let's turn to the positive of this and that's keandre miller and how he acted based on you know the awful comments that were put out there uh he was super professional he completely ignored him. Uh, I'm sure uh, he he looked at it and was uh, offended, obviously, but he acted super professionally. He was very good during the press conference, and it's awesome to see the composure that this young man has. Yeah, it, you know, it's great. It's shown a lot of professionalism, a lot of maturity, which is great. You know, it's something that he's talked about before. He's dealt, you know, with this really his whole life. It's something that a lot of minority hockey players have to deal with, which is terrible uh but it's something that he is kind of used to something that he's learned how to handle and it's hopefully something that will just pretty soon be eliminated from our game and from our society 
Yeah, most definitely. And you got to assume now seeing what happened here, these online press conferences through Zoom or any other media will be shut down to the public. It'll strictly go to, uh, you know, the interviewer and interviewee because of idiots that do stuff like this. So unfortunate there, but uh, it is what it is. Keandre Miller, excellent job being a, a true professional. But now let's move on over to the Hobie Baker Award as the three finalists were selected. Yes, they were. So uh, the three finalists were narrowed down to a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. That forward is Jordan Kawaguchi from North Dakota. The defenseman is Scott Perunovic from Minnesota Duluth. And that goalie is Jeremy Swayman from Maine. So both Perunovic and Swayman signed pro contracts. Perunovic signed with the Blues. Uh, Swayman signed with the Bruins. Kawaguchi might return back to college next year. Uh but he's got a chance to turn pro too. So all three of these guys could, this could be their one chance to win the Hobie Baker. Really? Uh, you know, three solid candidates. I didn't think this year there was a true runaway guy. Like some years there is, you know, like for example, like Paul Korea's year when, when he won the Hobie Baker hundred points, you know, like years like that. It wasn't like that for anybody this year. Jordan Kawaguchi himself, the, the forward, he had 45 points, which was the highest scoring between the two skaters. Scott Prunovich as a defenseman had 40 points through 34 games, which is still absolutely phenomenal. And then Jeremy Swayman played 34 games, had a 2.07 goals against with a 9.39 save, which is, you know, a pretty tremendous stat line. Like It's definitely worth consideration. But the guy who I think the favorite to win it all is Scott Prunovich, uh, in my eyes at least. You know, he was just such a dominant defenseman, kind of a late bloomer, uh, second-round pick by St. Louis in 2018 as a 20-year-old. Uh, but he, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah, and the odds could look good for Perunovic as in the last three years, two defensemen have won the Hobie Baker Award. He could look to make it three out of four. Uh, if we look at overall winners by position, you look at the forward category, 29 times has the forward won the Hobie Baker Award. Defenseman only at eight and goaltender only at two. So uh, it'd be interesting to see who wins this Hobie Baker Award, but I think it'd be really cool if we get our third goalie on the board for the Hobie Baker Award. Oh, it, it definitely would be cool, and he's definitely a worthy candidate, and uh, Jeremy Swayman is. But I just like I think Prunovich was just the best college hockey player this year, in my opinion. So I have a hard time giving somebody other than him. But if really, if really any of these three get it, you can't really be too mad. Yeah, exactly. Now, Chase, let's now move on from the college hockey world over on into the Ontario Hockey League as the first overall selection is not Adam Fantilli, who we mentioned last week would be the presumed first overall selection if he didn't guarantee his uh, participation in the United States Hockey League. Yeah, so Adam Fantilli, as you mentioned, does not go first overall. Instead, we send out congratulations to Ty Nelson of the Toronto Junior Canadians as he became the first overall pick to the North Bay Battalion in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, this kid is a he's a pretty small defenseman at 5'8", 172, but he's a very talented, very speedy, very skilled right shot, you know, over a point per game playing like mid midget level hockey this year, which is tremendous in Canada, especially for a defenseman. He's a guy who's going to come in. I mean, immediate impact OHL player, uh, possible rookie of the year candidate. He's someone who's got some serious skill. Uh, he is, in my opinion, and most people's opinion, the second best Canadian behind Adam Fantilli. 
Uh, maybe not the second best player in the draft because there's some really talented Americans who won't report. They'll go play for the program or go play in the USHL. But he, uh, based on every circumstance, he's definitely the deserved number one pick. So congratulations to him. Yeah, most definitely. And it's it's really fun to see how the game has evolved from, you know, a couple years back, even uh, a decade or two back, you had the bigger defensemen that, you know, could shut you down, lay the body. And now we're seeing guys like this, as well as Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, the smaller guys that are just extremely skilled, have amazing skating that are able to light up the NHL. So it, it's awesome to see players like Ty Nelson, get their chance first overall because let's be honest a decade ago he probably wouldn't be the first overall selection oh no there's no way it just especially with like i mean really size and hockey was still like even like three four years ago was still like heavily prioritized when it was clear like by some teams when it was clearly becoming an outdated measure like size like doesn't mean anything in hockey anymore it really doesn't it, it's all it's all about skill it's all about, about your iq so drafting someone just because they're big and avoiding someone because they're too small like is just a bunch of bogus at this point, and it's finally starting to show. As I mean, who would have thought a five eight kid, even at the OHL level, would go first overall, even just five years ago? Nobody. Yeah, most definitely. All right, Chase. Final piece of news for this episode is you know, in the face of a pandemic, seeing how strained are. Emergency services get. We like to see when companies step up on their end and help out the people in need and the people that are helping the ones that are in need. So uh, we got a couple companies here that are beginning some distribution for face masks, for gowns, and it's just an awesome thing to see. Yeah, it really is. So we want to give special shout outs to three companies in particular right now. So Bauer was one of the first hockey companies to kind of make this transition, creating this unique face shield for uh, COVID doc- like doctors to use. You know, it's it's a pretty unique design. It's it's not anything that's um like that's new or revolutionary, but it's just it's it's another way to you know get more of this product out because face masks are heavily in need by these doctors. So you know, good on Bauer for doing that. And then also Vaughn, which is you know primarily a goalie pad company. And then Gemini Athletic Wear, who is a hockey jersey company, they have begun making you know gowns and different uh, medical clothing for local hospitals and hospitals around the country. So good on both those companies, as well as Bauer, of course, you know, for getting in and helping out in this time of need. Where anybody that can help out, you know, if they if they have the ability to, do, should definitely try to help out because there's a lot of people that are hurting right now. Yeah, and it's awesome to see countries and companies around the world just being able to unite and help the common people. So it's absolutely awesome to see. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, guys, I get it. It's quarantine. What's the big deal? But guys, come on. We all know it. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. And that's why Manscaped has been working over the past 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer known to man, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. 
One of the coolest features, my personal favorite, is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Guys, I want to help you get your own Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 right now by letting you know you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. That's again, 20% off with your free shipping at manscaped.com when you use our promo code THPN. Now, Chase, we move on to our grades for our Tampa Bay Lightning. How we're going to break this up is we're going to give grades for our forwards, defensemen, goalies, special teams. We're going to break off into the power play and the penalty kill, then coaching, and then the overall team. So we're not going to be giving grades to each and every forward, each and every defenseman. We're going to do the forward category as a whole. Uh, Later on, we can maybe look at doing each forward or each defenseman, giving them grades. But how we're going to do it right now is just the categories as a whole give them a grade, and then do a little analysis for those certain categories. So uh, this is over the whole year. So yes, we did have a strugglesome first half. We started to rebound a bit afterwards. We're doing very well right now, or at least up until the coronavirus struck. So uh, again, this is going to include the whole year. So don't be expecting a plus for every category. Uh, Chase, let's start off with you and start off with your forwards. So my forwards, I'm going to give them an overall grade of A. Not quite an A+, but I'll give them an A. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Samkos, two guys that are over a point per game. Brain Point was very close. Alex Kaloran had a great year, you know, after showing some signs of maybe he was not worth his contract. He definitely changed that thought. Uh, But at the same time, there were a couple forwards who were pretty disappointing this year. Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord, uh, two guys he expected a lot more out of didn't really get too much out of but at the end of the day the team was first in the league in goals so it's kind of hard not to say that the forwards are at least an a at that point uh if you got a different opinion i would i'd love to hear it because i could definitely see an argument for trying to make it a little bit lower or higher but i think an a is a pretty firm grade yeah, so I went with a B-plus on the forwards, and let me tell you why. So the first half of the season when we were struggling and everyone was struggling, the top stars, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Samkos, Braden Point, they were they were there, but they weren't the team guiding us to victories. Honestly, the forwards that stepped up in that time were the players like Alex Kalorn, like Anthony Sorelli, the guys on those third-line, fourth-line uh, categories were the ones stepping up and helping us the most. Uh, so I got to look at that too. I, I can't just look at Kucherov sitting at 85 points or 68 games and be like, holy cow, he's almost 20 points above a point per game. Uh, yeah, that's great. But he started off pretty slow, um, at least when you're looking at Nikita Kucherov himself. Uh, he was, you know, sitting around a point per game a little bit under for the first couple of months. But uh, yeah, because of how slow the team started, I got to give it a B plus. Uh, I I love how the third line really stepped it up. Alex Kalorn has been an absolute beauty for us this year. Um, so a B plus is a very good grade, but because of the slow start, I just couldn't put them in that A category. Fair enough. Uh, I like I, I agree that the, you know the beginning of the season struggles were pretty worrisome, but I think they kind of like answered that those worries with how well the performances were, you know, especially over those long winning, like winning streaks. So that's why I 
I felt that the A was worthy because I felt like the good heavily outweighed the bad by the time all sudden done. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I get that point. Uh, I also look at the fact that you know we had the easiest schedule coming up in 2020, so that kind of factored in. Um, I think really the only way I would push my grade up to an A at least would be because uh, or if they go into the playoffs, if we even have playoffs, and they really perform there. Because when we're when we're starting to heat up a little bit and we're playing lesser teams than we we're playing before, uh, it's kind of easy to rebound and really get your points per game up but uh like you mentioned chase we've got some people that are struggling too like tyler johnson um so i go b plus you go a i think both are tremendous grades for the team that started off with a losing record after what the first like 25 games or something like that so nice rebound for our tampa bay lightning yeah absolutely i agree we now move on to the defenseman what is your grade for our D core. So for the D, I'm giving them a B grade. I think offensively, there there was you know a lot of defensemen who did their part offensively. Victor Hedman had 55 points. Mikhail Sergachev had 34 through 70. So did Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, so, you know, I thought guys like that did well. Eric Cernak, you know, was a solid defensive for us this year. He had 12 points while playing, you know, that true like defensive type role. That's kind of more of his game. But like while they've helped out, offensively I just I really did not think enough was done defensively there there were a lot of games where a lot of shots were given up teams like we often would get 20 to 25 shots ourselves while allowing th- you know 30 to 35 shots easy and it's that's tough to watch it's, it's tough to let slip by uh with a good grade for this d so I think a b is a little even generous I'm just gleaning on more on the generous side because the offense ball put yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to go a B as well. And honestly, I could probably push this up to a B plus just because of how good Victor Hedman has been. But I'm going to stick it at a B. I think the one thing that we haven't mentioned, or at least you haven't mentioned yet, is the fact that our defensemen were scoring at a pretty good rate at the beginning of the season when our stars like Kucherov and Samkos weren't there yet. And they've kind of slowed down. I, I felt like Kevin Shattenkirk was sitting around the 25 point back in December. And now he's only at 34. So I think the defensive scoring has slowed down. And how many times did we say when we were doing game reviews that we got outshot? It's been multiple times. Overall, Victor Hedman has been a James Norris candidate. He's been amazing. Mikhail Sergachev, a very young defenseman. He's been able to step up and produce a lot of points for us. Kevin Shattenkirk, he produced very well in the first half, started to slow down a little bit. So I think, again, I take a look at the first half and go, wow, the defensemen were actually pretty good in such a struggle sometime for our Tampa Bay Lightning that I, I got to give them that B grade. All right, f- fair enough. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and you know, I'm with you there with the B. Yeah. All right, Chase. We now move on to goaltenders. And this one's going to be a little bit tough because you got a good and surging Andre Vasilevsky who struggled in the first half. And then Curtis McElhinney, who, let's be honest, hasn't been the best backup goalie. No, he has not. Uh, but I still I I think I lean towards a more of a B plus on this grade here. So with that, I think Vasilevsky did enough where he could be considered an A-level goaltender. You know, it, he struggled first half of the year 
sure, or more of like first part, not necessarily first half, but he's just been so dominant since kind of figuring out, getting that confidence back, getting back to his game, the way, you know, he, he plays a certain way, and when he's playing that way, he's pretty much unbeatable. So once he got back to that way, his numbers started heavily improving. You know, he's right now sitting at a 256 goals against with a 917 save with a 35, 14 and three record. You know, those, those are good numbers. Like he's kind of, they kind of put it together. He's definitely got back to the goalie that he was in previous years. So I'd say he's worth an A grade, but the guy that brings that down himself is Curtis McElhinney, who, Eight seven and three for his record. A two eight nine goals against a nine oh six save. He's playing against the weaker teams. Uh, still often, you know, would let in three goals against teams three four three four goals against teams that should not be scoring that many goals. Uh, he just he is not the guy that you want as your backup goalie. Really, if you're winning a Stanley Cup, he's not like a terrible goalie. He can be a backup goalie in other teams, but for a Stanley Cup level team. You need a backup goalie who can play a decent chunk of games during the regular season, so your starter's good to go. And Curtis McElhinney just isn't good enough to do that. Yeah, I agree with you with the Curtis McElhinney part, but I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to go an A- minus here. So Vasilevsky obviously struggled towards the start of the season, was even averaging an 8.97 save percentage earlier on in the season. But the guy has absolutely killed it towards this last half, uh, this latter half. Uh, the guy is now up to a 917 save percentage. The guy went on a double-digit win streak. He has been by far the best goalie in the last couple of months, and I think he is a shoe-in for the Vesna as of right now. So uh, Andre Vasilevsky, because of how tremendously he stepped up his game, it's going to step my grade up to an A-, and the guy really has been just an absolute beast for our Tampa Bay Lightning team. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no denying that he's been really the whole catalyst for the reason that the team went on so many winning streaks and like so many great stretches throughout the year. So uh, this guy's just your anchor. You know, he's one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best. He's he's paid like it, and it's finally great to see him, you know, play like it during the year. Yeah, most definitely. All right, Chase, we now move on to our special teams. We're going to do power play and penalty kill. They're going to be separate. But I'd like to know your power play and your penalty kill grade at the same time, although not together. My first grade, I'll start, you know, with my power play. I give it an, an A plus personally. Power play, you know, as the season stop is sitting at fifth in the league at 23.2%. You know, it's, it's a really talented power play. It, it gets a lot done. There's, there was obviously games like where we were talking about they were struggling for stretches, but that happens with every team. I'd say more often than not, you'd find that the power play was pretty effective, uh, especially when the team was really needing it. You know, clutch power play goals were coming in. There wasn't always too many opportunities on the power play either, which didn't really help. You know, sometimes we'd only see one or two a game, which isn't really much to get your momentum going on the PP. So I I I give it an A plus because I think the offensive talent was just so good and they did so much. But for the penalty kill, I give that a B minus. Uh, they currently sit at 14th in the league, which you think, you know, maybe that's not a B minus. Maybe that deserves like a B, uh, whatever you think. But B minus is probably fair because they struggled in, in some clutch moments sometimes. Uh, like when you really needed a save from your goalie or block shots from your forwards and defensemen on the PK, they weren't really getting it. Just the PK, it just didn't really do enough for me. If the PK was you know, a little better if it was in the top 10 in the league. I think that, you know, we're, we're probably 
got, got a few extra wins in there and we're in a better position and the team just looks better and we can get better overall grades. So I got to go with a B minus for that. Okay. Very interesting. So I'm going to go an A minus for the power play and a B plus for the penalty kill. And let me, let me tell you why. So again, this goes to the, the whole, we're going the whole season, you know, and I feel like the power play was where we needed it to be in the first half of the season. When we needed those clutch goals to get those wins, our power play would step up. But I felt that our power play kind of lacked the killer instinct. There was games, uh, you know, just a couple months ago or uh, weeks ago. Um, it's been a while because the coronavirus. But how many games did we look at our power play when we were going on those 10-game winning streaks when we were like, again, another 0 for 3? We won the game like six to two, but our power play seemed to just lack the killer instinct towards the end of the season. And that puts me all the way down to that A minus grade. Uh, it's great to be fifth. It's great to have that 23 percentage on the power play that we love to see. We always love to see something over a 20%, but I felt like our power play kind of lacked the killer instinct and wouldn't put teams away when they could have wouldn't bury the teams when they could have so uh unfortunately i'm gonna give it an a minus still a great grade let's be honest um but i i wanted a little bit more towards the end of the season and i didn't get that uh now we go over to we go over to penalty kill and i think the penalty kill was absolutely tremendous towards the end of the season uh i felt like in the last two three game reviews that we did we were like, in our power play, struggling again. But hey, our penalty kill was amazing. We went four for four. Um, now, there were a couple games towards the end there where it was like, ah, uh, shoot, we were only two for four. Um, but I felt overall the penalty kill stepped up towards the end. And I feel like that's more on the back of Andre Vasilevsky than our penalty killers. But I, I think... When we look at the last couple of game reviews, we can even go back and listen to them. I felt like we were constantly saying, thank gosh our penalty kill is doing great, and where has our power play been recently? So uh, I guess there's some recency bias to my grades, but I go A- minus power play, B- plus penalty kill. Fair enough. Like my, my issue was just like, early in the year, I was not a big fan of what the power, uh, of what the penalty kill was doing. Like the, for the most of the year, like yeah, it, it, towards the end of what was going on, like for the year, it definitely improved and was definitely big reasons we were winning. So like I probably could bump it up to a B, but I'm still fine with a B minus because I thought that there was enough talent like defensively that they could have done better than 14th in the league. Yeah, and I guess uh, off of that point. I feel like we are the most talented offensive group in the league, so not to have the number one overall power play kind of also bumps my my grade down to an A minus. You know, I mean, we have tremendous players. Nikita Kucherov, he won the Art Ross last year, so uh, I expected a little more out of them. Uh, and obviously, the the recent struggles from our power play was uh, a factor in my decision. But we will now move on to talk about our coaching and. This one's going to be an interesting grade because the first half, obviously, we know we know what happened. And we rebounded quite well, but uh, there's still some question marks there. So, Chase, what do you have for your coaching grade? Honestly, I give the coaching an A. I'm a big John Cooper fan. I know, like, I question him and he was – he was really making me, like, question my faith in him. But he's a guy who I've really liked since he stepped into the NHL as a coach. He's someone who I've had a ton of faith in. 
Uh, he's one of my favorite coaches in the NHL. I like the way he wants the game to be played and the way he gets his team to play the game. It's a very efficient type of offense. It's, all, it's offense first with a focus on efficiency, so they don't take 35 shots a game from just all over the ice. Instead, you know, it's 20 to 25 shots from the high-scoring areas, and, you know, you capitalize on the chances, and you notice that we have the best shooting percentage in the league at 11.2%, which... Like, it's, it's a pretty good number. That means you're getting into the scoring areas and you're capitalizing on those chances. So I really like the way the team plays the game offensively. Uh, like, playing hockey, I was pretty much always a defenseman, so I always liked the defensive side playing. But as I got out of playing, started getting more into, like, the analytical side as I'm starting to learn it, as I started becoming more of, like, a media person and started getting more into, like, the management type thing. I, I've really become an offensive-focused kind of guy, especially since that's the way the game's going. So I really like the way his system works with this team. The the players are the right you know the, the right pieces. You got the talent. The talent sh- struggled a little bit at first, probably coming off of that you know embarrassing end of the last season. But once that all came together, you saw it working like a well-oiled machine. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna go a B minus. Yeah, I know and, you're not the big fan. And I hate to harp on it as I continue to do so in this episode. But we were very bad in the first half of our, or not even first half, but, you know, first quarter of our season, a little bit more than that. First third, I'll go first third of our season. We were very disappointing. And I think we we talked about it on the episode. We talked about, or on the podcast, we talked about how if this continues, John Cooper's got to go even before playoffs. John Cooper may have to go if he doesn't turn it around. He did turn it around. Thank God. Goodness, uh, I think his job's still on the line if he doesn't produce a Stanley Cup. If we get to the playoffs this year, uh, if not, he's still got another year um, to you know prove it next year. But I think if we do end up getting playoffs sometime soon, and he doesn't take it home, even with the certain situation that we're in, I think it's I think it's time to to look for a replacement. Um, and the team being so talented. Honestly, look at other teams in the NHL and give me three team names that are more talented than the Tampa Bay Lightning. I doubt you can. Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators, and and Detroit Red Wings again. And I doubt you could give me even one, maybe two teams. So with the amount of talent we have and how bad we started, I think that's a really bad look on John Cooper. Uh, He has not been successful in past playoffs. He has not getting us to the big moment. And I I like that we're efficient in, you know, only shooting 20, 25 times a game, but getting those goals like Chase mentioned. But when we're not getting the goals from the efficient spots, you always hear, just get the puck in the net. You know, it doesn't matter if you're from the most efficient spots and the goaltender's hot. The only thing that's going to stop a hot goaltender is 70 shots. So... Uh, obviously, that's very unrealistic, but uh, I I think for the team that he has under him, there's no reason we should have started that slow, and he is still on the hot seat right now until we see him do something in playoffs. So I, I go a B. Did I say B or B minus? You said B minus. B minus. So, I mean, it's great to see it turning around, but... I think that also is on the back of the players as they turned it around from their slow starts. I'm not sure why we started so slow, but again, if if you're not able to produce in the playoffs, I don't want you here. 
Yeah, see, he's taken a team to the cup final before, so I think it's it's he can do it again with a better roster now. It sucks that this year ended the way it did, so we can't really tell. And like who you know who knows next year? Maybe next year you got to trade away a guy like Kalorn because you got to worry about signing Sergachev. So and the team makeup just isn't the same what it was this year. Like this year was the prime year to, to contend for that championship, and it just gets thrown away. So it really sucks that. Because if, if, I agree, if he wouldn't have got it done in the playoffs this year, if it would have been another early exit, even second-round exit, then it would have 100% been time for a change. Uh, but I think he did enough to turn the season around, to resurrect himself a little bit, make sure he's got the job security with the season not being finished out this year, and he'll, you know, he'll be back around next year. Yeah, I get that. And I think there's been some playoff regression from John Cooper because when he made that Stanley Cup final, that was what, the 14-15 season? Yep. Yeah, so we've seen just constant regression when it comes to playoffs, and I feel like our team's gotten better. So, you know, look at the last two years. uh, The year that the Capitals won, we were maybe not the favorite to win it all, but we were definitely a team that was looked at to go pretty far. Last year, we were by far the favorite to win it all and got bounced in the first round only through four games. So uh, we got another team this year where we're probably the favorites to win it all, maybe up there with Boston. Maybe Boston's in the mix, but, uh, you know, we, we got to get something done. I, f- I feel like playoff success has begun to regress over the last couple of seasons. That's fair. I'll give you that. So let's now move on to our last grade, and that would be the grade overall for our Tampa Bay Lightning. This includes forwards, defensemen, goalies, coaching, and our special teams. Uh, let's even throw in uh, our trades, our signings, all that. Management, pretty much. Yeah, everything that has to deal with the team. Let's give it an overall grade for the season thus far. Hopefully we can see it continue, but we're not going to bet on that right now. Chase, your overall grade is? An A-. minus. All right, I, I, I like that. I'm going to go B+. Plus. Um, and I, I think we're in a similar boat here. We like that the team was able to turn it around. We like where we're sitting right now. We look like one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. Uh, we had some worries about the start. Obviously, I think everyone would. I think where your grade is a little bit higher than mine is we go back to the trades that we made during the trade deadline frenzy. I wasn't the biggest fan of them. You liked them for a playoff push, but it's going to it's gonna suck if we can't even make a playoff push because of the coronavirus. It really does. Like, it's so unfortunate. It makes those trades look tough because, like, they're kind of an all – they're almost all for nothing. Which like, that's the worst part of it. If the if the season weren't to have gotten canceled and things were to continue on like normal, I think those trades would have helped us, would have benefited us, and looked good overall. Like the, the value was still a little much, but at the end of the day, if you're winning a championship, nobody cares what you give up in a trade. If you win the championship, you're good to go. And I think this team was on track to do that. So it sucks that it just gets thrown away. Yeah, it most definitely does. So, uh, you know, some positives for us is how good we have just looked so recently and how good we looked going towards the playoffs and looking like we were going to win the championship, like Chase said. Uh, Unfortunately, that's been cut short as of right now. Uh, We hope to see the playoffs come back in in some shape or form. Honestly, I'm fine with anything right now because I just want sports back. Um, 
so even if you do like I don't know, uh, top two teams from each division and only do an eighteen playoff, I'm fine with it honestly. So same. We'll see what happens, but uh, some positives there. Chase gives A minus. I give a B plus for the overall team grade. I think you guys can be happy with your Tampa Bay Lightning as of right now. I don't think you can be overjoyed, ecstatic, because obviously we don't have the Stanley Cup, but uh, we're, we're trying to get that, and we're we're close. We're close. We are. We now move off of our team letter grades and move on over to a poll. And this poll, of course, will be on Bolt's broadcast over at Twitter. Yes, it will. So uh, we, we'll figure we just kind of highlight the overall team grade. So what grade would you give the Tampa Lightning overall for the season? Uh, we'll list A, B, C, and D because I don't think anybody can realistically give them an F. So you know, we'll, they'll have the options A, B, C, D. If you really think they deserve an F, you know, reply F and let us know why. But I... I can't imagine somebody would do that. So the other options will just be either A, B, C, D. If you want to mention what if it's an A plus or an A minus, a B plus, B minus, you can go ahead and do that. So make sure to check that out on Twitter at Bolts Broadcast. Yeah, and let us know why you picked your grade. If you think they were a C, let us know why. If you picked they were an A, let us know why. We we want to hear from you guys and see what you liked about the team this year, what you didn't like about the team this year. Um, so be interactive with us on that poll, and that'll come out right when this episode drops. All right, Chase, we now move on to our last segment of the day. That is Hockey Name of the Day, the best segment in podcasting history. Yes, it is. You got that spot on. All righty here. Oh, that is a Finnish name, I think. Uh, we've got Ruperty Martikainen. Yep, Ruperty Martikainen is a 30-year-old retired former uh, forward and offensive, really, just so just you know, all-around amazing superstar. Just, just getting further thing from a superstar. Uh, but this this guy is born in Finland, as you can imagine, off the name. Uh, mostly played in lower-level pro leagues in Finland. Uh, never never played in the highest uh, SM Liga. The highest really level he played closest to SM Liga, I guess, would be the Junior A SM Liga, which is the junior level right below it. Uh, spent... Multiple years in the Sumisaria and then in Division Two in pro in Finland, which is it's still fine hockey, but nothing special. Uh, he played a season over in the Quebec Major Junior League for the Moncton Wildcats and the Acadie Bathurst Teton. So you know this this guy got a little bit of North American experience, which is cool for him for someone who wasn't a necessarily high level player. But he's got a very fun name to say. So I, I when I came across it today, this this should put a big smile on my face, really. Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't love a fun name to say? And that's all Hockey Name of the Day is about. So, Ruperty Martikainen, welcome to the Hall of Hockey Name of the Day Legends fame thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah got it. All right, Chase. That is the end of the episode. Let's finish it off with an outro. Will do. So, of course, you know, we always thank you all for listening. If you'd like to check us out on Twitter at Bolt Crowdcast, that is at Bolt's Broadcast. That would be swell. Follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. That's at HockeyPodNet. Make sure to check out Patreon. Uh, if you want to become a patron that way, I'd really appreciate it. There's a lot of podcasts who are putting out extra episodes as, you know, we're during this quarantine. People got some free time so you can get some exclusive content. Uh, there's, you know, prospect rankings on, on there. There's a lot going on on Patreon. So if you want access to exclusive content, you can start as low as a dollar. It goes up from there. So just if you do that, really appreciate it. Uh, while you're at it, Go to thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You can find all the podcasts within the Podcast Network right there. Boom, just click on the logo. You can listen right there on SoundCloud. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. 
Uh, whoever you're listening, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tweet at us, DM us, email us, you know, just interact with us. want to hear from you guys. If you bring up anything worth mentioning, we will definitely bring it up on the podcast to talk about it. Maybe we'll even bring you on as a guest. Who the hell knows? So just be interactive, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, most definitely. And like Chase mentioned, if you are itching for more content from the Hockey Podcast Network, you can go over to really any streaming site. You can go Spotify, um, SoundCloud, Apple Music, all that kind of stuff. Look at Hockey Podcast Network, get some content from our other hosts, or go to Patreon. Uh, if you want more content from us personally, you can go on Twitter, go to at WNP Sports Pod. Uh, that's our other podcast that we've got going on. Uh, a lot of football talk over there right now because it seems like football is really the only sport that's still up and running when you got free agency and the draft coming up. So if you guys want more content from us, you can go look over there. We want to thank you guys so much for coming out, listening to this Bolts broadcast episode, and we'll talk to you later. Later.